0: Turned it up, went in. Listen, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that no matter what the devil tries to do, no matter what the enemy tries to get in your path, if you'll stick with God, God will see to it that that everything that you need in life is going to be taken care of. I love that story. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, you know what? We're going to believe in Daniel. We're going to believe in the man of God. We're going to believe in what he says. We're not going to believe in the king. We're going to believe in what the man of God says. They threw them in, and when the three went in, and they began to look down, the king's men, they said, you know what? It looks like there's four, and the king said, well, I thought we only threw in three, and they said, well, we did, but the fourth one, boss, looks like the son of man, looks like the son of God. Now, listen, God doesn't always take you out of the fire, and sometimes we want him to do it our way. We want our miracles done our way, but God doesn't always take you out of the fire. But if he doesn't take you out of the fire, then he'll come in the fire with you you got to have a purpose ain't nobody gonna steal my joy I'm gonna say it again ain't nobody gonna steal my joy oh you may have taken it for a minute but I'm getting it back because I've realized you didn't give it to me and you can't take it away You didn't save me. You didn't heal me. You didn't deliver me. You weren't there when I was going through the greatest trial of my life. I should have been dead. But God spared me. God kept me. God kept me alive. Got too many people that are embarrassed to get emotional for God. My God. When you come to church, it ought not be a funeral anyway. When you come in, ain't nobody tell you this is a movie theater. you got to be quiet. We tell you here, talk back. I don't know why more people don't come to talk back. we got a purpose in our heart. You know what? We've got to return back to our first love. Remember what God has done for me. I went back in my mind. I began to think of the day that I got saved when I went to a little church in a little town nearby Chicago with pants that didn't even go down to my ankles. I didn't even know why I was going other than my mother forced me to go. And the day before, there was a band singing country outside the church, and she said, we're going to the service tomorrow. I said, isn't this going to be wonderful? I don't like country music, and that's all they're singing. They're going to drive me crazy. I went in that building, and the only thing that everybody did was hug me and love on me and thank me for coming. I'm thinking, God, I don't even want to be here. And all these people are acting like they're so glad to see me when the preacher gave the altar call. I'll never forget, I may have had pants down that wouldn't go down to my ankles, and people may have made fun of me at school, but that day when I gave my life to Jesus, wasn't nobody focusing in on what kind of pants I had or where they went to. All they were focused in on was me giving my life to Jesus. God, we need to return back to our first love and be thankful we're saved. Be thankful we're saved. Not just saved from hell, but saved for a purpose. The second thing that Daniel had, notice in verse 4 through 9, I won't read it all, but in Daniel... Chapter 6, the Bible said, Then the presidents and the, prison and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. In other words, look at me. Everybody isn't going to like the fact that you have a made-up mind to serve God. Everybody isn't going to like the fact that you found favor with man and God everybody isn't going to like the fact that hey, you're going here to church or you're serving God or you're reading the word or you're, everybody isn't going to like it. as a matter of fact, there may be some things God calls you to do you're not sure about and you don't initially like. Yeah. Do you realize that obedience doesn't mean I have to like everything God tells me to do. If I had to like it, I wouldn't be obedient. There's some things I obey because he said it, but I don't like it. See, we talk about being willingly obedient and those who are willingly obedient eat the good of the land. But make no mistake about it. Before you get to the point of maturity where you willingly obey, you got to get to the point where you unwillingly obey. Is anybody in the house? See, some of you, you say, I'm too spiritual for that. But I'm going to tell you something. When I first started, I did not obey God because I wanted to. I obeyed God because I felt I had to. I obeyed God because I was scared not to. I didn't obey God at first because I just loved him so much. I obeyed God, but I did it unwillingly. I'm going to do it, but I don't really want to. But then I had to mature to the point where I obeyed Him because I wanted to. Because when I look back over the things that He asked me to do, when I did it, the blessing came into my life. And when I didn't do it, the blessing didn't come. So I had to observe some things and take things in. So don't think that you have to start out being willingly obedient. You can't. Just start out being obedient, even if you don't want to. And as you continue to surrender your will to God, you'll get to the point of willingly obedient. Thank you for you too. Most of you are still unwillingly obedient. (laughs) Now listen. The Bible said the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion. In other words, we're going to find something to get him. But notice what the Bible said. But they could not find none occasion, nor fault, for as much as he was what? As much as he was what? Say it. As much as he was? Say it. As much as he was? Tell your neighbor, you need to be faithful. Listen, I'd rather be faithful than anything else. I'd rather be faithful. Because faithful people are constant, consistent, responsible. They're marked by reliability. Faithful people are people that can be counted on. If you're going to get out of your comfort zone, and if you want to be a person that has an excellent spirit, you're never going to be excellent in God's eyes until you learn to be faithful. Until you learn to be constant. Can I tell you something? Faithfulness is boring. It really is. Faithfulness is not exciting. You know, faithfulness is like, woo, I'm faithful, woo. Faithfulness is boring. You know, faithfulness is doing the same thing, being constant, being consistent, having a pattern that you adhere to no matter what. There are certain things you ought to do. You ought to get up, You ought to put on the armor of God. You ought to pray. You ought to prepare yourself every day before you get out of your house and go into the world. Can I get an amen? You ought to do it. You mean you're doing the same thing every single day, nothing? Nope, nope. It worked for me yesterday. It might as well go and work for me again today. Being faithful is constant. It's consistent. It's being relied on and being responsible and counted on to do It's been required, and every time that you make a decision and you purpose in your heart to be faithful, you need to understand that greatness is going to cause smallness to react. Faithfulness will cause unfaithfulness to react. Your call, your destiny, your lifestyle may anger and agitate some people. And Daniel's declare that he purposed in his heart not to defile God. It angered some people. It angered the leaders. It angered the government. See, there comes a time when even in America, when our government passes laws that are contrary to the word of God, that the church ought not sit back and compromise their values because the government passed a law. I'm thankful that I'm a citizen of the United States of America and it's still the greatest country on the face of the earth, but we got some laws that are against God's will and against God's word, and I'm not going to compromise my beliefs to line up with what they have voted in as law. Really? I don't know why all of you ain't clapping on that one, seriously. Listen, abortion may be legal, but it's against God's word to kill babies. Now, we still love the people that abort the babies, but abortion is still wrong. We have 1.5 million babies being sacrificed on the altar of convenience every single year, and somebody needs to still stand up for the baby in the womb. We talk about women's rights. What about baby rights? The Bible says from the moment of conception. Not after nine months when that baby comes out. From the moment of conception. Life is in the... I don't don't care what they try to convince you. I don't care what they try to tell you. It begins from the beginning. You can call it a fetus. You can call it whatever you want to. But in God's eyes, it's a baby. It's a living, breathing baby. We got too many people in the pulpit and in the pews who have compromised their beliefs because they're afraid that if they stand up to anything that the government has imposed upon us, that we may be in trouble. Matter of fact, they're trying to pass laws right now. Oh, it's quiet, but they're trying to pass them To keep people like us quiet. Where if we say something against the government, that we could be arrested. Can I tell you, in these days, God is going to have some Daniels who will rise up in 2012 and 2013. And say, I love my country. I love my government. I love the people that are filling the office. But the fact of the matter is, I love God more than I love any of you. And I'm going to stand up for what God says more than I stand up for what anybody else says. Sometimes when you're faithful, I want you to listen to this. Can I tell you that faithfulness will make people feel uncomfortable? Your faithfulness can make people miserable. Your faithfulness can make people jealous. And every time you get around, you're not perfect, but you're faithful. How many of you are not perfect, but you're trying to be faithful? All of you should raise your hands. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be faithful. See, God doesn't tell you to be as perfect as much as he tells you that you need to be faithful. He doesn't say, well done, thou good and perfect servant. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God ain't looking for perfection. He's looking for somebody who'll just be faithful. And I love what they said about Daniel. They tried to find something, but they couldn't because of his faithfulness. He avoided the appearance of evil. And he did not even give room for others to make an accusation against him. How many of you know that's another level? Not sinning is one level, but not giving people room to accuse you is another level. Are you with me? You know, not sinning, that's one thing, but not even giving you the opportunity to speak against me, to make an accusation. Don't give room for the appearance of evil. How many know you got to be on another level? in order to have that kind of mentality. And Daniel purposed in his heart so much not to defile God. He said, I'm not even going to give room for you to accuse me of something because whenever you make an accusation, it's going to fall by the wayside because I'm not even going to put myself in a place or a position for you to make an accusation that will stick. That's faithfulness. We'd be better served in our own lives to be so faithful to God. Not only where we don't sin, but we avoid the appearance of evil. We don't put ourselves in places and give ourselves opportunities where our desires can be conjured up that can get us into trouble. Daniel was faithful in everything that he did and everything that he touched in everything that went on in his life. He was faithful. Faithful on the job, faithful to God, faithful to people, faithful in his family, faithful in every area. He determined To be faithful. By the way, anything you get that doesn't come by being faithful didn't come from God. Some people, they get things, but it didn't come out of faithfulness. But when it comes out of faithfulness to God, those things will not only come, but those things will last. Some things come and go because they didn't come through faithfulness. Let me tell you another thing that marks an excellent spirit. And that is, it's simple. Prayer. You want to have an excellent spirit? You got to pray. You're not going to have an excellent spirit by not spending time with God in prayer. And I'm not going to get caught up in the quantity of time, but in the quality of time. See, it doesn't matter if you go around bragging you've been with God for an hour. If you ain't talked and ain't heard a word he had to say back. Ten minutes spent alone with God in true relationship building is better than an hour of just going through the motions. Notice in Daniel 6. The Bible says in verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. How many ever felt like the writing was on the wall? And people had it out to get you. He went into his house. Did it say he went into the church? He went into where? His house. And his windows being open. He, what? What? In the chamber toward Jerusalem he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime Do what? He went into his house when he knew the writing was on the wall, when he knew the people were out to get him, when they when he knew that they were going to try to find an accusation against him you know what he did? He went to his house and he opened the windows. He said, I'm not going to hide my relationship with God. I'm going to open the windows and I'm going to pray. And I'm not just going to do it once a day. I'm not just going to do it twice a day. I'm going to do it three times a day. See, whenever the enemy attacks, Let's not allow the attack of the enemy to decrease our prayer time with God. Let's allow the attack of the enemy to increase our prayer time with God. Because it's the attack of the enemy that will attract the anointing of God if we'll get on our knees and we'll seek His face. As we enter 2013, there needs to be a renewed purpose put on prayer. Amen. 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 Prayer has to be a vital part of our life. It's got to be something that we don't just participate in individually at our home. It must be something that we participate in corporately as part of our church. Thank you for you, one. See, if we have picnics, we can gather a crowd. But if we have prayer meetings, people find reasons not to come. Maybe what we ought to do is call a picnic every Friday morning in January. And then have a prayer meeting instead. Do you realize that if one would chase 1,000, two would chase 10,000? See, I can only do so much on my own, but when somebody joins with me in prayer, then God can do some great things in my life. The Bible said, if two shall agree as touching anything. Are y'all listening? The Bible says, I didn't say it. The Bible says, if two shall agree as touching anything on this earth, that it shall be done by our Father which is in heaven. I don't need everybody to agree with me. All I need is one person to lock arms, to join hands, to pray in agreement. And God said, He'll make it happen. We need to get so desperate and hungry and passionate for God, that our prayer meetings are the largest attended services of our week. It really should be. Daniel was a prayer warrior. He didn't just pray. He was a prayer warrior. The Bible said, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. And making supplication before his God. Boy, when our enemy comes looking for us, our enemy ought to find us on our knees seeking the face of the Father. When the enemy tries to come get us, he ought to try, he ought to find us seeking the face of God. Every time the enemy wants to make an accusation, he ought to find us, spending time alone with the Lord. It'd be amazing how many times the enemy would have to stop his attack if what we were doing was of a more spiritual nature than of a fleshly nature. Amen. Let me get some help and our will close. I believe God is calling us to excellence. And whatever we do, to do it with all of our hearts. To get out of that comfort zone place to get out of that place where our call has been blocked where we've been laying dormant sitting on the sidelines for whatever reason or excuse that we give it is not okay with God God is saying it's time The horn is being blown. The trumpet is being sounded. And God is giving a clarion call to the church to rise up and to be the salt and the light in this earth like never before. We're not called to go to our churches in the past time and to do nothing waiting for Jesus to come back. We are called to kick the gates of hell in and to storm the devil's palace and to let him know we're taking back everything that he's stolen from us. When we're in our comfort zone, we accommodate the devil. But when we get out of it, we start confronting the devil. There's too many people that are dying and going to hell without Jesus. There's too many people that are suffering and struggling with sickness that could be healed. There's too many people on depression medicine. There's too many people killing themselves. Is anybody listening? There's too many people down, defeated, and discouraged for the church to do nothing. I believe the place we ought to be in these days, and I believe the happiest place ought to be the church. Forget Disney World. Can't be happy when you spend $1,000 for a family. The church ought to be the happiest place. You know why? Because that's the place where we find God. Where we commune with God. Come on, stand with me. Some of us, we've accepted status quo. We've gotten lazy and lackadaisical. We've gotten into a comfort zone where we're okay with not being stirred. We're okay with not being challenged. We're okay. We're not risking. We're okay with sitting in the boat. Instead of getting out and taking a chance to walk on water. 2013 is a year God is not looking for boat sitters. He's looking for water walkers. God ain't sitting in the boat. He's walking on that water. No miracles are in that boat. No miracles are in your comfort zone. I'm going to say it till I shake somebody out of it. You don't help me preach, I'll preach it again on Wednesday. There ain't no miracles in your comfort zone. There's only miracles when you get out of the boat. And you dare, and you risk, and you challenge, and you accept. The reason the church has not seen the miracles that we desire to see is because we're too comfortable. We don't want to risk. We don't want to dare. We don't want to challenge. We don't want to be hurt. We're scared and we're fearful. We're too worried about what others will think. When you really get consumed with God, all those things will not matter because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. All things are possible to them who believe. God is a big God. He's a mighty God, able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above whatever you ask or think. If you're willing to take a step of faith, if you're willing to risk, if you're willing to be stirred up again, if you're willing to stir the pot, maybe there's people who are glad you're quiet. Maybe there's people that are glad you aren't doing nothing. Maybe there's people glad that you are still. Maybe there's people that are glad that you're busy doing other things and not being busy about the Father's business. Maybe one of those people is the devil himself. You're never going to be a threat to the enemy when you do nothing for God. The devil doesn't have to fight people who are in a comfort zone, who aren't being stirred or accept challenges. He's already got you. There's demands about to be put on some people. And I'm going to tell you now. There's demands about to be put on some people. There's a demand being put on me. There's a mandate being placed upon me. As the mandate's put on me, it gets passed down. Don't think it's strange when a fiery trial or when Pastor Bill calls you up. Some of you need to be shook. I don't mind spiritually shaking you. I don't even mind physically shaking some of you. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a demand about to be put on you. There's a shaking that's about to be released. We're going to have to do things a little bit different. We're going to have to do things with a little bit more passion, with a little bit more excellence, with a little bit more heart, with a little bit more purpose. Is anybody here? We're going to have to do things with a little more thought for others and a lot less thought about ourselves. We're going to have to do things not of a selfish nature, but of a selfless nature. We're going to have to do things that build the kingdom of God. We're going to have to do things that may irritate some folks. We're going to have to do some things that may make the enemy mad matter of fact we may do some things that make other Christians mad but I tell you we're on the brink of the greatest release of the anointing of God this world has ever seen I listen I don't need you to clap to 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 tell me what I already know we're on the brink of the greatest release of the anointing of God this world has ever seen is anybody in this house how many of you are ready for the release of the anointing come on somebody get up here right now step out from where you're standing and make your